Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot No, I just be listening to pods Yeah, one in particular I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it's friday and it's conference championship weekend we will be getting to that and you know what it was magical at least one team actually hired a head coach while a few others filled coordinator spots so we actually have some relevant news to discuss but before we dive in Matt, Dennis, how did you survive your week? Um, very, very aggressively. A lot of, lot of fights going on this week. Wasn't sure I was going to make it here, uh, but no, it was, uh, it was good. Uh, I imagine probably the same for you guys. I know when people just love when you start off with like weather talk, right? But uh, weird week for me. It was like. 20 degrees for like two days and like 40 and then today it's been like 60 it's been a pretty beautiful day but then i hear it's about to get really shitty again so you know just looking forward I, to freezing i wonder if again you're gonna day. drop off as much as as we are because mm-hmm. we're supposed to go into the deep freeze with an arctic blast coming in tomorrow night i bet you that's what we're getting next week so let's see here yeah. So what I just I'm just now looking at my phone. So I'm gonna be honest. I I, I like to avoid the weather here because uh, uh, I that I feel like this is gonna upset some people in certain parts of the country. It's usually kind of nice, so I don't have to worry about it much. And then someone told me today that it's supposed to be really bad next week. So I just looked, and we have snow and ice coming in late Monday night to Tuesday morning, lasting about six hours. So according to this. We'll see what happens. Looking forward to it. 
can't wait. What was the Bart Scott thing? Can't wait. Like I can't wait. Can't wait for Snow and Ice on next week. Yeah. Well, as somebody who has to leave for work at five thirty a.m. on Sunday, I wasn't really excited to see it's supposed to be two degrees. Yeah, lowest it's showing here. I mean, just like regular temperature without the real feel outside stuff, lowest is, is 27. So I, I guess I can't complain too. It's 25 degrees cooler. It'll be 25 degrees hotter here than it will be in Colorado. So I'll take that. Dennis, I hope you're surviving better than we are. We've had snow and rain on and off this week. It's been somewhere between 20 and 40, you know, so – Kids had a snow day, and I'm like, "Really? You had a snow day for that?" I, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm old. I. I was literally. I, I literally was like, "Get off my lawn!" You're, we got two inches of snow, and you got a snow day. They they've been doing weird things here too. We um, we they the superintendent. I think they said came from the south. That's here, and the first time we got hit with a pretty good snowstorm. He didn't do anything because I think he didn't know what to do. And this last one, he was the only district in our area that canceled a day of school. And I walked around, I'm like, we got an inch and a half, guys. I mean, we will rebuild. So, but we will roll forward. Speaking of uh, ice cold, the Carolina Panthers, first team to hire a coach, uh, to make the big decision to hire uh Matt's personal hero, uh, Frank Reich, uh, coming over. So I guess the first thing is, how do you feel about Frank Reich and the challenge before him in Carolina? And how do we feel about the other piece of news here? They announced that the the neck-and-neck decision came down to him and Steve Wilkes, who I thought did a pretty decent job going 6-6 six and six in the interim role, seemed kind of disappointed not to uh, get a chance to do it full-time. I mean... Thank God Christian McCaffrey's not with the Panthers anymore, right? We'll have to worry about some random running back getting carries now. Uh, oh, It'll still that, be a random running back because Shua Hubbard let, and Dante well, Foreman are there. Let's just hope they don't draft B. John Robinson and crush all of our hopes for him for the next three years. That's all I'll have to say on the Panthers. Uh, you know, my first thought when I saw it was, Okay, well, Sam Darnold isn't near old enough to be his quarterback. Um, let's see, does that mean he's going to go try to sign Brady? Who's the oldest quarterback? You know, Jacoby Brissett, he might be a candidate. but he. Oh, you know who he's going to sign? Joe Flacco, 38-year-old Joe Flacco. He's going to bring him in because they're almost there. No, wait, wait, wait. Dalton is 35. Maybe he goes with Dalton. Um Oh, Chad Henney, he's a free agent. He needs another shot. He's 37. You know, these guys are like tailor-made for Frank Wright. You know, maybe he only did that in Indianapolis. I don't know. Maybe he learned from it. Um, I don't – you know, Reich was a good offensive coordinator, and I think that he probably is as deserving of a shot as anybody. I think Wilkes – in my eyes, earned it, you know, getting them to play like they did and and stuff. It, my biggest issue, I think, is that when you have a, co- a coach that gets fired because his team is so clearly underperforming, and if he's white, he's right back in the head coaching circle, 
And if he's black, he's right back to a position coach for the next 10 years. That's the perception around the league. And, you know, Wilkes, maybe his time in Arizona didn't go like we wanted, but it seems like he's a pretty good coach. The team rallied around him, and and I felt like he earned a, a shot there. But you know the teams are it's it's like the slowest hiring cycle. It, it must be that literally every other team is trying to hire either Sean Payton, who's like you know I really want to go to L.A. and coach Justin Herbert, or they're waiting for somebody to come off one of these four remaining snaps. Yeah, it's been weird. I think this cycle has been more notable for the people who've decided they don't want to pursue any of these openings than it has been for, you know, potential candidates. We saw Jim Harbaugh's name floated out there. He decided to go back to Michigan. Uh, It seemed like Dan Quinn was going to get somewhere, and he decided to go um, back to Dallas. You're right about Sean Payton. Reports seem to change about him every other day from he's likely to sign somewhere to now it's like he's likely to go back to Fox. I guess we'll see. For Frank Reich, I, you know, you get judged even more harshly on your second stop if your first stop sort of flamed out. And there's no way you can look at it and not think that his first stop flamed out with getting fired midseason by the Colts, a Colts team that many felt were was really talented when he took over and never really achieved much. And going to Carolina, I, I, you know, seems interesting to me. His biggest problem, it seemed, when he was with the Colts was that he never had any stability or the guy at quarterback. So he's either going to Carolina because they're going to move heaven and earth to try to get up to the number one spot and take a guy to build around, or he's kind of setting himself up for the exact same problems. Was he going to go acquire Carson once again and see if, if the third time's the charm? Uh, there isn't – we've talked about it before. It's it's an intriguing um, QB market that becomes a little less intriguing if a couple of these guys stay put. I was bummed Steve Wilkes didn't get a shot. Um, I thought Carolina was a team that way overperformed my expectations from where they were when they let Matt Rule go. It didn't seem like they had a lot of pieces on offense. I actually thought they got – Sam Darnold to play pretty well down the stretch there. So I'll be curious to see um, what Frank Reich can do. What's Carolina's pick? I'm trying to get it up here. Number th- nine. Yeah, they slid almost- way back because of how well they did. So it, it almost feels like if they're going quarterback, they're going to have to move up. I know Levis is getting hot. People love Young and Stroud to quite an extent. Anthony Richardson, I don't think he's going to be useful this season. Maybe he he develops. He's got a lot of tools. So it feels like they're going to have to go up to, you know, five where Seattle is at. Um, or, you know, Indianapolis at four isn't going to trade back. You know, is Arizona at three? Are they willing? Chicago at one? Probably most certainly willing. Um, but I don't know that Chicago wants to go all the way back to nine. Um, yeah, you'd have to, you'd probably have to sweeten it. So it almost feels like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. It's possible. I mean, it just, that's the part that I, I didn't totally understand. Speaking of, uh, 
moves. I guess we'll do the first one. Bill O'Brien officially back as offensive coordinator for the Patriots, a position he's held before. He was at Alabama most recently. Dennis, do you think he's a good fit uh, going back with Bill Belichick to help Mac Jones? Well, I think he understands the culture there. Um, Was he at Bama when Jones was at Bama? Did they cross paths by a year or he was after? No, he was there the last two years um, because he was with the Texans prior to that. So, you know, he understands the New England culture and Bill Belichick. He was there. He was in in New England for a few years, wasn't he? so yeah, before that, he went to Penn State, yeah, I think that's that's going to be a, a good fit. I don't think he's a bad NFL coordinator. Um, we'll see. I think he's used to having a quarterback with Mac Jones kind of tools, so it's not like he has to recreate uh, an offense around you know Lamar Jackson or anything. He can go and run a Patriots-style offense, uh, Bill O'Brien-style offense. And, and, you know, let's face it, whatever it is, it's better than Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. I mean. I don't know. He might be over there saying, hold my beer. uh, I think think O'Brien's downfall was he got too much power in Houston and was making some desperate decisions towards the end. And they just didn't pay off, you know, acquiring David Johnson for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, or in a fourth round pick, man, that's, that's a, that's a desperate dynasty manager move if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's a better thing for them than obviously a defensive coordinator and Matt Patricia calling offensive plays. It just never made sense to me. I think we saw how much New England struggled. Even Mac Jones. Typically, you see these guys and everything. The players in New England don't typically like speak out much. And and to have guys like Mac Jones and other like there's been a lot of stuff of people frustrated with play calls and everything this year kind of speak out about that. You know, Matt Patricia, as Dennis mentioned, he's most of his quarterbacks have been in that mold. You go all the way back to uh, Penn State when he got that uh, coaching job right after a lot of the the Joe Pa stuff. Um, and I shouldn't say Joe Pa stuff. I mean, he was a part of it, but uh, I don't remember the, the guy's name now for the yeah. life of me. We don't need to say it anyway. Okay. The guy who really did the wrong here. I don't want. I just. I didn't want it to like he. Joe, I mean, Joe Paul. Whatever. Yeah, he stepped the into Penn a State tough dilemma. situation. Yeah. And I mean, he had them with winning seasons. Of all, it was Matt McGloin, and I believe he was the one who had Christian Hackenberg, who kind of got him like all that love back in the days as quarterbacks who do fit more into the Mac Jones mold. Um, and I do agree with what Dennis said as well. Like, if you really look at what he was able to do as a coach, he was very good. It was when he kind of tried to become a GM that he really struggled and and Houston kind of went down the toilet. I think it'll be a good thing for him um, just because of that. Like, I really think that they're going to be be fine moving forward. Um, Alabama will we'll, – we'll see what – or I'm sorry, New England will be with, with Mac Jones there. We'll see. Obviously, I still think they need to get a wide receiver, but again, yeah. a guy who actually Amen. understands – the offensive part of the game running things, I think, is a lot better than a defensive coordinator running things on the offense. 
That's my thing. I, I think the O'Brien hire was kind of expected, makes total sense, but none of it matters if they don't go and get some kind of a A1 wide receiver. I think they've they've found a really good back in Ramondre Stevenson. I love what he did both as a runner and a receiver, kind of being that three down, but they've got to get some other some other weapons. Um we will I'm gonna pivot here and um save the the next one for last because it's probably most interesting dennis uh one of the other offensive coordinator positions to get filled is michael floor goes from the jets uh to the rams his brother matt was the uh, offensive coordinator for sean mcveigh of the rams for a while what do you expect to see uh from mike inheriting a rams offense so i think if we look at you know bill o'brien going back to new england you know it's old boys taking care of old boys and I think LaFleur going out to L.A. with McVay, it's just bros taking care of bros. I mean, they, they're they sticking together. You know, they've got their collars popped, their sleeve, short sleeve shirts rolled up, too, on their, their pumped-up biceps. They're getting ready to put their loafers on with no socks, go for a walk on the boardwalk, uh, and design some offensive plays. Now, I, it's a fit. It's a good fit. I think they, you know, they have similar philosophies. The team is in a little bit of disarray. I, I do expect Aaron Donald to retire. You know, Bobby Wagner, as good as he played, is old. Um, Jalen Ramsey is getting old and not playing consistently great. So the defense is, is getting ready to undergo a, a rebuild. The offense, you got Allen Robinson, who was playing subpar and got hurt. You got Cooper Cup, who was playing phenomenal and got hurt. Matthew Stafford was bad back and injury, and I think elbow or shoulder and something. You know, just the team is getting old and falling apart. You guys probably aren't old enough to remember, but it kind of reminds me of the George Allen Washington um, football team when he would always trade away his picks for veterans and it was the oldest team in the NFL and they would play well, but you know, when, when old dudes break down and take it from me, uh, an old dude, you know, you don't recover very quickly and, and they need a youth infusion and they don't have a lot of draft capital. They defaulted into sticking Cam Akers back in. They got some good young guys, Bryson Hopkins at tight end, and Higby's not very old. I think he's 27 or 28. You know, if Cup comes back good, Van Jefferson's pretty good. Skoranek's playing well. But they're definitely patching it together right now. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what kind of moves they make in free agency. But as far as the OC goes, it's, you know, he's he's going to be running uh, the McVay offense. I think, doesn't McVay call his own plays? Yeah, he so, usually does. You know, they'll game plan together. They have similar philosophies. It, it's, a, it's a great fit from that perspective. But, you know, it's bros taking care of bros. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've seen a lot of that with the NFL, though, right? Like, I, I hate to put it that way, but that really ma- – I mean, what was it? Yeah. Uh, 
Schefter, the NFL, dropped that report the other day on the owners. Like, you guys need to stop hiring your friends and retread coaches because this is kind of why the Frank Reich one is confusing to me, too. I mean, he had had multiple successful seasons in Indy, so I guess that's fine. But I I just – I don't understand why they don't take a a leap of faith somewhere else. The McVay one, though, here with uh, with Matt LaFleur makes more sense because LaFleur is from – or is it Mike LaFleur? It's Mike, isn't it? I always get those two. Yeah, it's Mike here. Um, because they're from that tree, they're all from technically, uh, probably one of Matt's favorite coaches, Mike Shanahan's tree is really where they're all from. Um, so they have a lot of that other stuff. So I imagine it's just a, maybe a way to help take a little bit off McVay's plate, knowing that the Rams are probably going to struggle for the next couple of years. And he was this close to retiring. So maybe bringing in someone who knows the system knows McVay as well, which I think matters and kind of help pull some of that pressure off of him. Uh, but I still think McVay at the end of the day is probably going to be the one calling the plays and maybe Mike, you know, has passing game duties or running game duties that helps decide different things. And they kind of work together on that. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they'll pick up the run game a little bit because he definitely uh, seemed to focus on building some pretty good run games when he was in San Francisco and then uh, with the Jets. I'm just bracing myself, speaking of weird hirings, for Jeff Saturday to permanently get the job for the Colts, in which case we probably need to look up Tony and see if we can do a wellness check on the air. Uh, The last piece of coaching news just made me laugh. It feels a lot like uh, last offseason because of what comes with it. But Nathaniel Hackett, not out of a job long, ends up taking over as the offensive coordinator uh, for the New York Jets because, you know, if you need somebody to come help them maximize their offensive potential and scoring potential, you'd certainly get the guy who uh, just – ran a team into the ground. Um, But what seems to have come with this, Matt, is rumors uh, lighting up again that Aaron Rodgers is going to follow Hackett to the New York Jets. How do you feel about the hire, and how do you feel about the Rodgers potential? You know, it's it's, um, chicken versus the egg conversation, I think, with both of those guys. If you go look at Nathaniel Hackett, Football fans, so the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftBook Sportsbook, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. So offensive coordinator for five years, I believe, in Jacksonville, maybe four Four to six. Two years in Jacksonville, 17 and 18. It's longer than that. He was a coach there, but he was the OC. Uh, What was he? He was a quarterback's coach. I apologize. Quarterback's coach. 
It was all, all that, though, the quarterback's coach and – okay, yeah. So 2015-2016 was the quarterback's coach, and then 2016-2018 and was the offensive coordinator. That was all with one Blake Bortles. Fantasy hero. Not quite the NFL quarterback you want. I don't know that this brings Aaron Rodgers over. I'd argue Aaron Rodgers made Nathaniel Hackett, much like I think you could argue – um, one Peyton Manning made, um, Adam Gase. Yeah, that was the name I was looking for. I was, I was, I was waiting to say Josh McDaniels. I was like, he did not make Josh McDaniels. So Josh McDaniels, I don't know, is very good either. But regardless, I, I maybe that relationship brings Rogers over. It does seem like there's some real connection there. I personally would like to see it. It's been a while since we've seen Aaron Rodgers with a decent offensive line and weapons like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. Like that could be a lot of fun. Brees Hall in the backfield could be fun, but uh, I don't know that them getting Nathaniel Hackett, you know, necessarily means Rogers is going there. But I think it'd be a the very intriguing parallel of go back. What shoot? I don't know. It feels like it feels like at least over a decade, probably longer, of. Brett Favre stretching out his career in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers hating on him and talking all this other stuff. And Rod granted, this is not Rodgers saying I'm going to retire and come back, but just the, the synonyms of both of their careers toward the end here, how like they've gone from like these, these heroes to now like kind of just get out of Green Bay. And then they both ended up playing for the Jets at the end of their career. Just be truly fascinating to me. Well, I, I don't know that Hackett is hanging his career on, making Aaron Rodgers. Hackett got to Green Bay in 2019 and Rodgers got to Green Bay in 2005. So he was there a good, good long time uh, winning before before Hackett got there. Now that doesn't mean Hackett's necessarily a bad quarterbacks coach or a bad offensive coordinator. Uh, I think he's he's been able to get coordinator jobs because he's probably good at it. I think head coach, clearly was over his head. And I don't know if some of that was because, you know, in um, he was in Buffalo with Doug Marone. He was in Jacksonville with Doug Marone. Very strong personality, kind of a controlling guy. He goes to Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is fully established. You're not coaching Aaron Rodgers. You're working with Aaron Rodgers. To me, it seems very different. Um, then he goes in and I think he may have tried to apply some of those kind of laissez-faire strategies because he had Aaron Rodgers running it and he thought, well, I've got, I've got veteran Russell Wilson. I can kind of let that go. Well, well, Russell with his let's ride Broncos country got so cheesy, became a parody of himself and people didn't take him serious. And then he played bad on top of it. So my concern with Hackett is it feels like as of, you know, January 27th, 2023, somebody's lighting the fire under Robert Salas seat and they're starting to get it smoldering. And if they don't make the playoffs next year, I think that whole thing changes over and then Hackett's, you know, looking for a job. I don't think he becomes the interim and gets offered the position uh, should Salah get the ax. I'm in inter- I, I don't think Rodgers is going to New York because Hackett's there. I think Salah is trying to get a good coordinator with, you know, 
a lot of experience to kind of come in and see what he can do after going with the young guy. Even though he'd worked with LaFleur in San Francisco, I think that he, he feels like he needed somebody, an older voice there. And I think Hackett provides that. You know, I'm concerned with, uh, you know, Brett Favre, or not Brett Favre, um, Aaron Rodgers going to New York and following that Brett Favre trajectory. Are we just a couple years away from another million dollar uh, welfare fraud case for, for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, let's hope he doesn't follow that. I'd like to think he's smarter than that. But after he went on that, the, this whole recent, he's kind of gone off the rails the last couple of years and going out to the desert and tripping on ayahuasca and all this shit. He's getting out there. So who knows what's going to happen? Don't forget how grimly uh, Brett Favre's time in New York ended, too. There was a scandal there uh, involving yeah. a reporter. Yeah. Well, so Nathaniel Hackett, his career as an offensive coordinator, 2013 and 14 with the Buffalo Bills, he uh, he developed EJ Manuel and worked with Kyle Orton. Uh, his run in the Jaguars, Blake Bortles, and to be fair, they did make the AFC Championship game one of those years. I wouldn't say it was necessarily Bortles. You go to the Packers where he was the offensive coordinator for an already established superstar and wasn't allowed to call the plays. Then you go to Denver where he took over calling the plays, did so poorly. He was forced by ownership to give up calling the plays shortly before he was fired. And if you look at the splits of Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense from the 15 games that Nathaniel Hackett was their coach and the two games that Jerry Rosberg was their coach, you will see that there was a very clear problem with the offensive structure there. So this is the man that you've brought in to work with Zach Wilson and your, your wish dream of getting a solid veteran. Good luck. I wish you the West New York jets. Uh, on to teams that actually have a chance at winning a Super Bowl. The NFC Conference Championship game is the first one to kick off on Sunday. The 13 and 4 San Francisco 49ers at the 14 and 3 Philadelphia Eagles. Dennis, I'll start with you. Big quarterback matchup, big defensive matchup, interesting coaching matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Nick Sirianni. What do you make of this matchup, and who are you giving the edge to? I think it's a, a pretty good matchup. I a lot of a lot of narrative has been built around the San Francisco defense, uh, and and I'm guilty of helping build that narrative. I think San Francisco has a phenomenal defense. Uh, but did you know that Philadelphia, their defense had six, 15 more sacks or 16 more sacks than the San Francisco defense? Yeah, 16 so, more sacks and more inters, more turnovers. Yeah. So, I, well, San Francisco has a really good defense, so does Philadelphia. James Bradbury and Darius Slayer both playing great. The defensive line in Philly – so the defenses, I think, are pretty even. Maybe just a slight, slight edge, the, the thinnest of margins to Philadelphia. I think the difference maker is Jalen Hurts. I think both teams have good weapons. You know, you got McCaffrey, you got Mitchell, you got Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. That's a great set of weapons. You've got Goddard, you've got uh, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. And Miles Sanders, that's, that's a great set of weapons. I think Jalen Hurts is the separator. He's the one that is going to 
be the difference in the game. I, I like both teams, and I won't be surprised if San Francisco makes it there, but I just think that Jalen Hurts being a dual-threat quarterback who, who's really strong, I know that he's going to get pressure on him, but I think he can hold up to the pressure and he can elude the pressure. Brock Purdy's a hell of a story. I think he's had a great season. Going into the offseason, I think San Francisco is going to have a competition between Purdy and Lance. I feel like the front office, though, is going to give every tie to Lance. They want Lance with all that draft capital um, to be the guy, and I think he's the more toolsy quarterback. So I'm kind of pulling for Lance going into next year. But Purdy is a solid quarterback. He's he's no joke. He's Purdy is coming up on starting about 30 or 35% NFL games, the amount of games that Trey Lance has started in college and the NFL. I mean, but Purdy started, what, 44, 45 games in college too? So he's an experienced quarterback, and he's good, and he makes good decisions. I just think that the when you get this late in the playoffs, the talent separates a little bit of what's going to happen. And Jalen Hurts, to me, is that that deciding factor. He's that separator. I like Philadelphia to, to win this game. Yeah, for me, it comes down to, I think the defenses almost kind of wash each other out a little bit, but I do think the Eagles is better. I mean, they are, I believe, the top ranked in multiple categories, although San Francisco is as well. Uh, but overall, I think the Eagles defense is better by a slight margin. It's going to come down to Hurts versus the system, in my opinion. Uh, Brock, Brock Purdy has been phenomenal. Uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from that uh, because he he's won, what was it, one, two, three, four, five, six, was that eight, nine games? He's won nine games here. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Like you can't thirty seven and zero as a starter. Seven. Oh wait, wait, hang on. One, two, three. Four. He's seven and zero. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So with so he's won seven games since obviously Garoppolo got hurt. Trey Lance as well earlier in the season, and you can't take that away from him. It's extremely impressive, especially being Mister Irrelevant, which obviously they're going to beat into the ground again this weekend. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll hear that likely every five minutes on the broadcast about him being Mr. Irrelevant. But I think a lot of that is the system. You go look at how productive Nick Mullins was at times. And I, I don't want to be mean here, but like Brock Purdy is not that much better than Nick Mullins as a quarterback prospect. We look at some of the best stuff that Jimmy Garoppolo has done has been in the 49ers system. Like, these Kyle Shanahan is a very, very good coach. I would argue one of the best offensive coaches in the game. We've seen how smart he is, how well he schemes offense. So I think Purdy is going to be good this weekend. That system versus Jalen Hurts. Who makes the big play? Who makes the mistake? I will lean on Jalen Hurts to get this done, but I think it's going to be a close game. I really do because the one thing I will give Purdy is and maybe you could argue this is because he's a rookie. He does make a couple questionable throws every game, but the one thing I will say is it's typically only a couple. It's not seven or eight. It's like two, maybe three in these games. And if you don't turn the ball over, you Matt, you just mentioned, 
Philly has more turnovers than San Francisco's defense. If they don't make those turnovers, though, then it's really going to come down to matching each other on defense and offense. I don't think there's big difference on offense either. So I think, much like last week when I said this could come down to a field goal game for for uh, the Cowboys in San Francisco, and it ended up coming down to a touchdown, I think the same thing applies here. Like I don't think either team blows each other out. I think it's going to be a very, very close game, but I will – I will lean toward Jalen Hurts finding a way to get it done because he's just been so damn good all season long and so has that offense and defense. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I'm hoping both these games are going to be um, good. And, you know, if you think we hear Mr. Irrelevant quite a few times during the championship game, if they make the Super Bowl, I think, you know, two hours of the pregame is probably just going to be Tom Brady interviewing Brock Purdy about the chip on their shoulder after the draft. Um, you know, but when I'm I'm stacking it up, you know, if you're looking at running backs, it gives me a little bit of pause that McCaffrey and Mitchell haven't been practicing consistently this week. But I would say I would give, you know, the 49ers a little bit of an edge there. I actually like Philly's top three pass catchers a little bit better than San Francisco's top three pass catchers. I think the defense is kind of a wash for me. I would give Kyle Shanahan a bit of an edge over Sirianni, although both of them feel like a little bit of wild cards at the coaching position. The Eagles were warm enough to Creed today. I think that gets the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the real edge for me is Jalen Hurts. I think he should be the NFL MVP. Um, The only question I had going into last week is if he was still if he was back to being healthy, and he certainly looked like he was back to being healthy with everything he could do. And you really saw that in the way the Eagles dominated the Giants. So I am also picking the Eagles. So it sounds like we're all three on the Eagles. Uh, the AFC game is the late window game kicking off at 6.30 Eastern. The 12-4 and 4 Cincinnati Bengals at the 14-3 and 3 Kansas City Chiefs. The last three times these two teams have met, the Bengals have been victorious. They won in the regular season and in the AFC Championship game. Last season, they won 27-24 to 24, December 4th when these two teams met. Both of them come in with a couple of issues. You know, the Bengals still look like they're going to be without their starting offensive lineman. They said it was not looking good for either Alex Williams uh, or Jonah Williams or Alex Kappa. And for the Chiefs, they said Mahomes is going to play. Um, he keeps saying he's fine, but he obviously had a pretty significant high ankle sprain that he took last week. You have to wonder if that will have any lingering concerns. So, Matt, what do you expect from this matchup? Pride comes before the fall. I love Joe Burrow. Love the Bengals. I love how you have to, playing in the NFL, being some of the best players in the world, which Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow are. You have to be very prideful in your game, and you have to think that you're going to be able to beat anybody and everybody on any given Sunday. Man, they're doing a lot of talking, though, with this Burrow head. Got the mayor of Cincinnati coming out saying, I need a paternity test to make sure Joe Burrow is, in fact, not Patrick Mahomes' father. Man, you're giving Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes a lot of ammunition, and They don't need, you don't need to give them that. They are a very, very good team. I think Patrick Mahomes being limited definitely helps the Bengals, and I do think he will be limited. As someone who's dealt with, again, I'm not anywhere near the athlete or or anything that Patrick Mahomes is, but playing in multiple different sports and dealing with high ankle sprains, 
those are not ones that you can necessarily just like shoot up and be fine. That's a low ankle sprain. So I do think that is going to affect him a hundred percent. Believe he's going to go out there and play. He did it last week. And for anybody who knows coming right off an ankle sprain like that, it hurts. Like uh, what's, what's the saying? It hurts like the Dickens. It, it's bad. I, I didn't want to say any bad words. So like, it is extremely painful. It does, especially if you take your cleat off, which I imagine they had to do when they went to the locker room, it immediately swells up. So, like, the fact that he was able to get his cleat back on and they taped it up and he went out there, like, I don't know how that dude did that. But I expect him to go out there and be fine. I just think you, the bang, like, maybe they pull it off. They 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 are, I can't believe, as Matt just mentioned, 3-0 and against the Chiefs the past three times that they've played him. Obviously, it was a great game last year, and I expect it to be a great game here. But I just think giving someone like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid so much, you know, fire here to kind of build your team up and get them excited for for this game on Sunday, especially I believe they're uh, they're home underdogs in Arrowhead as well. Like you're just giving, you're just adding fuel to the fire, and I do not think that's a smart thing to do for 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 a offense and defense that has been playing extremely well. As again, Matt, you just mentioned. Both those offensive linemen out. That defensive line was a big reason why they were able to get after Jacksonville, and it was a big reason why they won last weekend as well. And now you got them coming after Joe Burrow. It's going to be a very intriguing game, and I, I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens if the Kansas City Chiefs do win this game. All the smack talk that is going to be going on after the fact with everything Cincinnati has thrown out this back past week. Well, I'm, I'm showing DraftKings has Kansas City minus one and a half. Does that make them the favorite? So that, yeah, but that, that, so realistically, that also makes them, it makes it practically a pick them because usually home right. teams get at least three. Right. So the fact that they're saying that it's practically a pick them game. And, and I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's, it's going to be a, a very, very close game and hard fought game. I think that Mahomes is going to come in, he's going to have that adrenaline flowing. Cincinnati, when they hit him, though, he's not going to be as mobile. He isn't going to be able to run. He'll try. He's going to do those things. So Kansas City is going to have to make sure they they protect him um, better than normal. And I'm, you know, that means that you're going to see a lot of Jarek McKinnon. You're going to see a lot of Blake Bell because McKinnon is the best blocker in the backfield when uh, they're passing the ball. So now you're taking away one of his weapons. We got Hardman coming back, MVS. It's it's really, you know, Kadarius Tony is, you know, he needs to come into his own as a, a wide receiver and shake off that gadget guy thing. It's it's really Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And so we're gonna have to kind of see what and I and I know that that's hard to stop of the four teams. Um, Cincinnati, what they give up, they give up the highest yards per play of the four teams still in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, I love Eli Apple. He's a Buckeye. Um, but man, he, I, he, he's the, he's the toastiest, uh, cornerback in the NFL. I think since Marlon Kerner, former Buckeye uh, in Buffalo, but Cincinnati, they've got a lot more balance. They've got Mixon. They've they've got three really good wide receivers. And Hayden Hurst, you know, he's no he's no uh, Travis Kelsey, but he's playing really really well. Kappa and Williams being out, 
Cincinnati, I think, is kind of adjusting a little bit of how they're approaching the games. And, you know, we saw it last season in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger. Their offensive line was terrible. Everything became a short pass. And while Cincinnati doesn't default to that on every play, they're still taking their shots in part because Burrow's like, I'm a dude. I can get this done. He believes in himself to such an extent. I, I'm, I like Cincinnati because I like, I, I like the swagger that Burrow brings to it. He reminds me of those old fighters that lead with their face. You know, they win a lot of fights. They lose some, but they win a lot more because they can take a punch. And Burrow reminds me of those fighters that can take a punch. I think he's, I mean, we saw him win in Tennessee last year, taking what, nine sacks? Uh, yeah, nine. Kansas City gets after the quarterback, and it's going to be a heck of a game. But I, I like, uh, I, I, I like Burrow and the Bengals to be able to overcome uh, a dinged up Patrick Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs. Yeah, and you mentioned that Tennessee game. That is the only time in Burrow's career where he's been sacked five or more times and actually won the game. One in seven. So uh, you're when, saying there's a chance. So. I think that's the big question for Kansas City. I, I'm tend to be with you, Matt. I don't think it's very wise to poke the bear with all the Burrowhead and I didn't know about the mayor. Of course, the mayor who has literally nothing physical on the line on Sunday, just going out there and, and throwing a taunt. Yeah. Well, if, if Cincinnati wins, I think Kansas City's got to send barbecue, which is delicious. And if Cincinnati loses the mayor's got to send Cincinnati Skyline Chili Coney Dogs, which is, you know, not barbecue. I was going to say, I've seen that Skyline Chili, so that's an indication they may not really have a great sense of taste there in Cincinnati. Um, I think this should be another really close I matchup. Chili dog. It's going to – Chili Dog's fine. Putting the chili on the top of spaghetti and then serving that up to people just gives me a moment of pause. Um what are you going to do? I it's It comes down kind of to me, what are we going to get out of uh, the Chiefs defense? You know, are they going to be able to get pressure? And it's going to probably be one or two really close plays. I'm, I'm going with Cincinnati, but I don't feel great about it. Can I pick like a draw and then they just move Buffalo into the Super Bowl? I don't really want either one of these teams to win. Um, but if I have to pick one, I think Kansas City gets it done. I think they find a way. Close game. I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah, Bengals for me. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I felt a lot better about that pick before they started getting a little haughty the last couple of days with their their comments that feels like something that never completely ends well, but I understand them being also a little bit peeved because it was almost as if everybody acted like they had literally no chance to start selling AFC championship game tickets to a neutral site before they. Even well, played. so I get that part of it, but at the same time, like the NFL has to do that. They have to put those tickets on sale ahead of time. They do that all the time. There, there's like, you could go in. I mean, using the college football thing here as a, as a, you could have gone in years ago when Ohio state just made the playoffs and buy national championship tickets. You're assume you're hoping that Ohio state makes it there. You get the, the earlier you get the tickets, the cheaper they are, obviously. 
So that's why they had to do it. And I didn't really care about the burrow. Hope you got your refunds thing. Like I thought that was a very funny line. Yeah, actually. that was, that it's was more funny. of like it's the, the afterward. The, yes. The rest of it that I'm kind of like, yeah, like arrowhead, but which is typically, it doesn't like seem like play, that's right? coming from the team. That feels like that's coming from people Someone... who aren't part of the team, which is real unfortunate. Right. For the it's, members of the team. They're cashing a check. Someone else's mouth has to cash. Now that's the problem, yeah. which I agree with you, but it doesn't help that like, they're all doing this. Cause they, again, it, it, they don't care. Like, who is it that Nick Saban's done this? Um, Kirby Smart has done this. There's been other coaches who I kid you not. I, I found out about this earlier this year, and I would not be surprised if Andy Reid has done something like this. They create these fake Twitter accounts that make it look like they're part of like no. majors, major like news or sports organizations, and then and then they don't even really actually send them out. They just create them. You, there's websites you can create these fake tweets on and then just print them up. And it's print up. Alabama is going to finish with five losses this year. And they post it all over the locker room. So all these players get so upset. So the worst part about it is this is actually coming out though from media people. And everything. I want to say someone in Cincinnati, because I saw the poster and oh, the yeah. poster, all this stuff going out in Cincinnati is rematch the, the rematch Burrow versus Mahomes in Burrowhead, and I'm like, you guys are stupid. Like, it's not what you should be doing right now. Well, it'll be an interesting weekend of games. Dennis and I will be back on Monday to look at the winners, and hey, you know, maybe by then the Colts will have made it official with Jeff Saturday, and we'll have something else to talk about. But Dennis, for all the people that wake up tomorrow morning and sadly realize there are no football games on Saturday, what should they do with that unexpected free time? They should do like me and go get yourself a nice new set of earbuds, then download the podcast, subscribe to it, listen, have it come right to your feed, give us a rating, five-star review, leave us leave us some kind words, something inspirational on your favorite podcast platform, and it helps us out a ton. Uh, go check out the other great shows on the Pigskin Podcast Network as well. Well, that'll do it for us. Hope you guys have a great championship weekend. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play?